Well, I'm glad you're here tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn with me tonight to Exodus chapter 2 tonight. Exodus chapter 2. And as you're turning there, well, I tell you, that was a powerful human video, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm still in the human video. Uh, you know, I want to encourage you to make sure you thank um, Pastor Mary's daughter, I believe, is the one who primarily coached that human video. And uh, her name is Catherine. I'd encourage you to met, let her know uh, how thankful you are and how blessed and impressed you were by that uh, ministry tonight. Um, also want to let you know one other quick announcement. Um, we, we, we believe in having something for everybody at Crown Point Church. Amen. And uh, this Saturday, our Shooters Life Group is uh, meeting at uh, Crossfire uh, Shooting Range this Saturday at 9. Now, you're laughing right now, but uh, if times get tougher, they're going to start helping us take up the offering. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. We're blessed and highly favored. If you have your Bibles, turn me to Exodus chapter 2. And um, I was down at the police department. I was talking to one of our police officers. And they had a really unique situation just happened this last week in Independence. And uh, what happened is, is there was a reported burglary. And very rarely do the police show up on the scene and the burglar's actually there. And what happened is, is there was this 90-year-old woman. And, and she was there and there was this young 20-year-old man. And uh, he was uh, caught robbing her. And what happened is they went to the woman and they couldn't figure out how she had apprehended this 20-year-old suspect. And, and they said, uh, ma'am, what'd you do? And this, this 90-year-old woman, she said, well, I don't know. I just believe that Jesus is a healing, delivering, miracle-working God. And as soon as I saw the burglar, I quoted the scripture and said, Acts 2.38. And the police, they were bewildered. So what a lot of times police do is they'll separate the victim from the suspect. And so they went to the suspect and they said, sir, we can't understand this. We're not trying to be mean and we're not condoning a criminal actions, but we can't figure out how a 90 year old woman overpowered you without a weapon. And he goes, without a weapon, soon as she saw me, she said she had an ax and two thirty eight. <laughs> Tonight, friends, I want to speak to you. Boy, this subject is like fire shut up in my bones. I want to speak to you tonight for the next six weeks on this one subject of a comeback. You know, there are two types of Christians that are here in this room tonight. There are Christians that need a comeback. You failed in a certain area of your life and you need to come back. You failed perhaps in a ministry, perhaps morally, perhaps in your finances. There's some area you have failed and you need to come back. The second type of Christian is those that at some point in their life will need one. See, friends, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, if we claim to be without sin, we're a liar. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and all fall short of God's glory. There's going to become a time and probably multiple times in every person's life that we need to come back. There's going to be an area or a time or multiple areas and times where we fail. And God's design, God's desire, God's will is that every time we fail, that we fail forward. God's desire, if you're taking notes, you're going to hear me say this for the next six weeks. A setback is a setup for a comeback. God's desire is, in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's 4-8, that we are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. 
We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. God's desire is we might get struck down, but we are not destroyed. (laughs) Hallelujah. So if you have your Bibles, turn me tonight to Exodus chapter 2. And tonight we're going to talk about the greatest comebacks in history. And tonight we're going to look at the life of Moses. Exodus chapter 2, verse 7, 8, and 10. The word says, Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby, who was Moses, for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Verse 9, even though it's not in your text. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me. I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Would you pray with me tonight? Lord, in the name of Jesus tonight, we ask you. For the touch of God. Lord, the touch and the words of Barry Young are very weak and very faulty. But your touch is life-giving. So, Lord, I thank you that my sins are forgiven. And I ask you tonight in the name of Jesus to speak to us. And I pray that you would change us tonight. And I pray that as we leave here, we would be more like you. If any person in the sound of my voice is overwhelmed in any, every, in any area of their night, life tonight, let them encounter your power like they never have before. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we ask for your blessing. Amen. Friends, tonight I want to look at three parts of every person's life. I want to look at three areas tonight specifically of Moses. Because many times we, we, we think of the great stories of Moses, but we don't think about the time where he was down and he could have stepped out. Uh, you know, I want to tell you, any great man, any great woman, they've always had a crossroads at their life. I remember somebody said in a Bible college class when I was in Bible school, you don't drown by falling in the water, you drown by staying in it. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to look at three components of Moses' life. Let's look at the very first component. It's there in Exodus chapter 2, verse 7, 8, and 10. I want to look at, first of all, his promising start. You see, many people might not understand how promising his start was. He was born a Hebrew. He was born penniless. He was born into slavery. But God, by his sovereign divine order as we read in the Bible tonight, allowed him to become part of Pharaoh's family. God in his divine choosing allowed him to become part of Pharaoh's family. And here's what that meant. First of all, he was raised in royalty. Oh man, he was raised in royalty. Being the son of Pharaoh meant that anything he wanted, he could have. Can you imagine how nice that would be? Anything he wanted, he could have. Friends, I want to tell you something. He was raised in royalty. Now, we have a hard time comprehending that because we live in a democracy. You know something? 
Even in a democracy, if your parents have privilege and power, you can get out of a lot of stuff. Am I right? <laughs> there are some times that, that and it's not, I love our country, but there are some times if you have a certain name or certain dollar signs behind that name, you can do a lot of things and still get away with it. I'm not going to mention any names, but boy, do I want to. <laughs> but see, I want to tell you something. Like, it's not how you start a race. It's how you finish. You see, friends, it doesn't take a lot of character to start out quick. It doesn't take a lot of personal integrity to get a good start. And see, here's what I want you to think about tonight. Uh, is this why I never forgot this quote. No statistic is less important than the score at halftime. I, I remember our beloved Kansas City Chiefs. In night time, see, isn't that a shame? I just mentioned the Chiefs and people start laughing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know it's time for our football team to get good. I mean, I haven't even told the joke yet. Well, in 1996, the Chiefs had just reeled off five playoff appearances in a row, Larry. And you'll remember this. They started out 1996. Anybody remember what they started out? 4-0. and 4-0. They started out in first place in charge of the AFC West, in charge of the AFC they got down to the end of the last of that season. All they had to do was win one of the last three games. All they had to do was win one of the last three. And guess what? They lost all three and didn't even get into the playoffs. They started out 4-0 and didn't make it in. And that's how a lot of people are. They'll come down to this altar and they'll get up. They're gloriously saved. They're set free. They'll start off, but that's not how they finish. Many of you have been there. Where you start off a marriage great and you start off in church and all of a sudden the devil gets in and things get broken up. You start off a relationship with your son or daughter and things are great, but all of a sudden they get into sin and things get torn apart. You start off financially putting money away and then because of bad circumstances or foolish decisions, that money turns into debt that you now have to pay back. It's not how you start, it's how you're finished. Let's look at the second component very, very quickly. Is that he had almost... Limitless power. Being the son of Pharaoh, he had limitless power. Pharaoh didn't have to ask anybody what he wanted to do. He just did it. And let me give you the third thing. He started out great. He started out raised in royalty with limitless power and he was well educated. Now, here's what I love. Here's what I love about God. It's very simply this. You can start out with money. You can start out with education. You can start out with power. And that does not guarantee success. You know what I love is on the contrary. You can start out with no money. You can start out with no power. You can start out with nothing. And if God is in it, you will succeed. Oh, friends, if God is in it, Psalm 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that build it labor in vain. What I love about God is, oh, I love this quote from John Osteen, Joel Osteen's dad. Faith starts with nothing, but ends up with everything. Oh, friends, if you have faith in a relationship with God, it doesn't matter what you start off with. And if you're here tonight, pride comes before the fall. <laughs> if things are going great in your life, stay humble. Let's look at number two. Now, now here's where we're at here. You got this promising start. Praise God for the promising start. But now here's where the problem comes. Number two, the fall. If you have your Bibles, turn me to Exodus chapter two. We're going to look at verses 13 and 14. And the word says, the next day he went 
and he saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you fighting your fellow Hebrew brother? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. Now let me give you something for free here. This isn't even in the notes. When you sin, it will become known. Oh, Barry, you don't understand. I've I've covered the tracks. When you sin, it's going to become known. Oh, Barry, you don't understand. Nobody knows. Friend, when you sin, it's going to become known. Now that was for free. Let me get into it here. So let's look at the fall. The very first thing is, number one, here's this guy who has this great start, all the money, all the power, and he kills a man. He absolutely kills a man. We're talking about a hero of the faith. We're talking about a founding father of Christianity. And he kills a man. Now, can I just say something? Many of you, most of you, probably nobody in here has killed somebody. But you know what the root of that is? Is anger. If you're here tonight and you've got an anger issue, let the Lord Jesus Christ deliver you from that. Friends, we're not to be angry at anybody but the devil. Don't shut me down, I'm preaching good. Oh, well, Barry, the Bible talks about righteous indignation. I've seen that turnover from outright righteous indignation to flat out sinful anger, just like that. <laughs> Friends, tonight, if you're here and you, stu- and you struggle with anger, you know what you do? You get a scripture, and every time you get angry, you quote that out loud. You quote that out loud. It, a gentle answer turns away wrath, Proverbs 15, 1. Whatever you have to do. Let's look at the second thing. So we look at the fall. He kills a man. Then let's look at Exodus 3.11. The word says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that, you sh- that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Okay, now, can I just tell you something? I'm not trying to put Moses down. But if I see God in a burning bush, I'm not going to doubt him. <laughs> If I hear the audible voice of God and something's on fire and it's not burning and it is God speaking, I'm probably not going to doubt him, but maybe I would. Here's Moses and he's doubting God. Now, that kind of sounds funny, but you know what? We're the same way. God has spoken a dream to your life and my life. And at times we say, God, are you sure? Have you ever been there? God, God, you don't understand the economy. If I give 10%, Lord, I got this and this and this to pay. Friends, I'll tell you something. There's times we doubt God just like Moses did. Maybe you're here tonight and God has given you a great dream. Stop doubting God. Maybe God gave you a promise 30 years ago at youth camp. Stop doubting God. Maybe the Lord in one of your quiet times has spoke a great vision to your life. Don't doubt God. And what I love about this scripture is that the greatest, one of the greatest fathers of our faith struggled just like we do. Let me give you the third one. Exodus chapter 5, please. Verses 1 and 2. So afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. 
Okay, so here's the third fall here. You want to talk about a guy who is really in trouble. He kills a man. He doubts God. And now he has an incredible enemy. Now, look at, look at verse number two one more time. Exodus chapter five. Pharaoh does not want, sugarcoat this. He says, I will not let Israel go. You know who that reminds me of is the devil. Maybe the devil has said to you, I'm not going to let your finances turn around. Maybe the devil has said, I'm not going to let that relationship get restored. Or restored. Maybe the devil said to you, you're not going to get that job. Maybe the devil said, you don't deserve that. Maybe the devil said, you're not smart enough. Maybe the devil said, you won't get married. Maybe the devil spoke a, a word, but here's the good news. It doesn't matter what the devil says. All that matters is was what God says. The only big thing about the devil is his mouth. <laughs> That's the only big thing about the devil is his mouth. And so, friends, tonight I want you to see, you want to talk about a great comeback. Here is a man, he outright kills a man. He doubts God to his face, and now he has a great enemy. What is your enemy tonight? See, if you don't know what your enemy is, you sure can't defeat it. If you don't know what your enemy is, oh, of course it's the devil, but specifically, is it a spirit of fear? Is it a spirit of anxiety? Is it a trust issue? Is it an attitude issue? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It is hard to be blessed by God and have a bad attitude. It's hard to have a lot of friends and have a bad attitude. It's hard for people to love you when your attitude stinks. Amen. Thank you, sister. I'm preaching better than you're amening tonight. We might have to stay on this attitude for just a moment. You know what bothers me is when people come through those doors and they say, Barry, I don't have any friends at Crown Point Church. And you know what I want to say? If you had a decent attitude, you would. (laughs) If you didn't come in acting like you just listened to the devil all day, you probably would. (laughs) If you came in and stopped complaining, you probably would. If you actually listen to people instead of you doing all the talking and no, no, and, and they don't, and all they have to do is listen. No, friends. Hallelujah. We got to have the right attitude. So let me give you the good news. So first of all, we have the fall. Pardon me, the the start. Then we have the fall. And then let's look at the third one. I love this. Hallelujah, the finish. Oh, thank God. If you're taking notes, this is in the notes. But every man and woman of God have to have a finishing point. Once you write that, that phrase, a finishing point. A finishing point. Christians are notorious for starting things and not getting them done. If you can't finish it, don't start it. Don't start ten things in our church. Do one. Do it right. Finish it. One, if you're taking notes, one thing finished is better than twenty things started. One thing done right is better than seven things done average. The enemy of God is average. The enemy for your life is mediocre. And friends, there is nothing mediocre, nothing average about God. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me tonight. There in your notes, Exodus chapter 12, verse 37. 12, verse 37. So now we have the promising start. We have the fall. And now this is when it starts to get good. We have the finish. Oh, I love what Philippians said. 
He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. There's one, there's many attributes about God. But one thing I love about God is he is a finisher. Despite what things look like on the outside. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God's delay is not God's denial. Oh, you might have been asking God for a lot of things, but just because God delayed it, that doesn't mean he's denied it. Man, receive that in your word tonight, in your hearts. If you've been asking God for something for years, just because he delays it doesn't mean he denies it. Let's look at the word here. Verse 37 says this very, very simply. The Israelites journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. So here's what I love about God. Chances are that Moses has made bigger mistakes than you and I ever will. Chances are. Chances are that this man did things that probably nobody in this room will do. But what does God do? The God of this universe, the creator of this world, he sovereignly, by his loving hands, decides to use a murderer to save hundreds of thousands of his people. Number one, the finish. He saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Friends, you have no idea what God could do in your one life this last weekend. Oh, man. Woo! It was such a great time. I went to Kirksville. Man, I'm telling you. I, okay, now, first of all, the service was great. It was a blessing. I, if, if you don't know, I went to my very first church. I youth pastored at and was my pastor's 25th anniversary. And uh, they had me back to be the keynote speaker. And one thing is I knew the preacher, I knew the service would be good. I knew we'd have a good time. But there's one thing that I forgot about. One thing. This will be very spiritual for a moment. I forgot how much better potlucks were in the country than in the city. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You have, you have church city potlucks and then you have church country potlucks. You know, what do we do if we're going to life group or church and we don't have a lot of time? We stop by Hy-Vee. <laughs> we stop by Price Chopper. We stop by McDonald's. Not those folks. <laughs> I mean, there was nobody there that bought anything. Everything was made from scratch. Thank God I'm out of there. <laughs> But I remember this one point. As I'm standing in this church, and people are giving this senior pastor a standing ovation, I want you to think about this. This one thought came to my mind. How many people's lives are radically changed, saved, and different for eternity? Because that one man of God stayed at that church. You don't think the devil attacked him? You don't think the devil tried to uproot him from that church? You don't think people talk behind his back? Surely nobody would talk behind my back. You don't think the devil tried to get people in that church to gossip about him? Listen, if you don't think people are gossiping about you, you're crazy. I'm telling you right now, if you're in a church, people are probably saying bad things about you. Hopefully not. But how many know... Just because we had come to church, we don't join the church, we don't become perfect. Does your family talk about you? Do you have fights with your family? Do you have arguments with your family? You're going to have that in the church. We're not perfect. You can either go to hell with hypocrites or church with them. I'd rather go to church with them. 
And I thought about all this pastor's life. Had he quit, how could this church have been different? Maybe the church, when it was struggling, might not be there today. How many of you know Assembly God churches that have just closed down? They're out there in the country. It's not the city. You know what I love about the city, Jenny? Is I could offend like 5,000 people in Kansas City and the church could still grow. You know what I'm saying? How many know you offend somebody in a small town? Everybody knows. Can I just be honest? I got to go take one more thing here, PJ. You can telephone, telegraph, or tell a woman. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and you get a small town. Hey, that can be the same way with men. Don't, 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 men, don't, don't start laughing like I just hit the women there. But you know what? Pastor Fredericks has stood the test of time. And in spite of rural churches all over the nation declining, that church is ascending. So my thing is, my point here tonight is, you have no idea how many lives you can touch. Oh, Perry, you don't know about the divorce I went through. Praise God. God might use you to save a thousand marriages because you're picked up, delivered, cleaned out and repented in Jesus name. And wash totally clean. Oh, Barry, you don't understand. I had an abortion. I don't say praise God for the abortion, but I say praise God for his grace to forgive that abortion. I say praise God for his grace to pick you up and to turn you around. God might use you to, to save 10,000 babies. You have no idea how much God wants to use your life and how many people he can touch with your life. If he can use a murderer, he can use you. Boy, PJ. Man, that's good preaching, Barry, good preaching. I know, I know that's good preaching. Number two, Exodus 7, 17. The finish. I don't know if PJ thought knew what I was going to do there. I'm just glad she didn't hurt me. Verse 17 says, this is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile and it will be changed into blood. Number two, he allowed God to work the miraculous through him. Friends tonight, God wants to work the miraculous through you. If you're taking notes, I'll ask you to write this down. It's not skill that God looks for. It's obedience. It's not talent God looks for. It's availability. It's not a persona of greatness God looks for. It's for a humble heart. And what Moses did, what made him a great comeback is he allowed God to do the miraculous through him. Friends, I want you to know something. God wants to do the miraculous through you. Oh, I am more concerned. I am more, I am more uh, convinced than ever before that this country, they need the miraculous. These people in our country, they need the miraculous. And friends, when God moves, people will know. Where do you need God to move in your life? Oh, thank God. Thank God. You might be down, but you're not out. Let me give you the last one. Exodus chapter 14, verses 10. And then 13, verse 21. 14, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up 
And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Now, Exodus 13, 21. And the word says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. It's not in your notes, but I want you to hear it. Verse 21 says of chapter 14. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into a dry land. The waters were divided as Chris comes to play very softly. Lastly, verse 27. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The very last thing here tonight as we close with point number three is that he brought God's people to the promised land. Imagine, had Moses killed that man, and he just got overwhelmed with guilt. Have you done that? Oh, God, I, I, God, I can't do this. You know my past. Imagine if Moses, when God spoke to him and said, you're the one I choose to save my people. God, that's too big for me. I've spent all my life in sin. That is way too big. Friends, tonight, where do you need to come back? Oh, it might be something big. Your relationship with your son or daughter might be torn up to heck. Friends, God can give you a comeback tonight. See, he brought God's people to the promised land. Friends, God has a promised land for you tonight. It's his divine destiny. Do you know God has a divine destiny for you? Are you aware of that? You don't get called in the ministry so you can have a divine destiny. Once you become the son or the daughter of God, God has a divine plan, a divine adventure, and a destiny for your life. And it's a promised land. Oh, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. One more time. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Friends, it's time for a comeback. Oh, well, you don't understand, Barry. I've been this way for the last five years. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thursday morning, introduce a new you. Oh, thank God. I remember with... uh, This last couple weeks, I went to a couple Weight Watcher meetings because um, I put a little holiday weight on. Thank the Lord Jesus. That's coming off in Jesus' name. But I remember going back in there, I just needed to lose seven pounds. But I can remember when I first went into Weight Watchers and it was seven times seven. You know what I'm saying? And I remember walking in that very first time over four years ago, overwhelmed. Oh God, I'm over 250 pounds. I'll never, I'll never see the 180s. But you got to introduce a new you. Friends, introduce a new you. Let me give you three things to close with tonight. Three things here tonight, very quickly. Number one, what to leave with. It isn't over till God says it's over. 
Oh, thank God. That, that, you know what? That, that issue with your house, brother, it's not over till God says it's over. That issue with your job, sister, it is not over till God says it over. That issue with your marriage, that issue in any area of your life, until God says it's over, it is not over. I think about how Pharaoh, in, in Exodus 5, 2, he says, I will not let my, your people go. But God said they're going to go free. And that's what happened. And I don't care. You know what? The closer you get to, to God, the louder the devil starts to yell at you. This is for free. There's three ways the devil will try to attack you. Deception, accusation, and condemnation. And a fourth one is temptation. He'll attack you in accusation, condemnation, tem- and temptation. Number two, what to leave with. God can use anyone. He can. Oh, thank God. Lastly, the power and the one word's omitted in your notes. The power to bring dramatic changes in you. Do you know that, friends? The power to bring dramatic change is in you. See, when God comes onto a situation, He doesn't just change one thing. God doesn't just adjust something. Friends, when God shows up, He changes it. And I I want you to know tonight, friends, you can make a comeback. Oh, friends, God's desire is in any area of your life that you feel like you're failed, in any area of your life you feel like you're struggling, in any area of your life, if God can take a murderer, oh, thank God he can take you. Oh, thank God. If God can take somebody that says to his face, I don't believe you can do it, God can take you because we've all done that. So tonight is we go to prayer. Let's make a comeback. If your marriage isn't where it should be, let's make a comeback. Listen, if you're barely struggling at work and you know you can work harder and better, hey, let's make a comeback. You're not spending daily time with God like you should. Let's make a comeback. You're here, men, and you're struggling with porn. Hey, listen, up from the dead heroes, let's make a comeback. You're here tonight, friend, and the devil's attacking your life. Let's make a comeback tonight.